we are actually on this Resurrection Sunday morning uh, starting a brand new series. As you saw in the, the little bumper there, we're going to be talking about God's promises uh, over the next bunch of weeks. So, hey, if you haven't been out in a while, uh, a great time to kind of on-ramp back on. Uh, so as we talk about God's promises, the, the message this morning, and, and by the way, just a, a reminder, if anybody's not aware, we've got, you know, message notes in your Gap Connection there. So as we share the scriptures and stuff, you can jot them down, feel free to do that. Uh, but my job here today is uh, really want to set some context for everything that we're going to be talking about over these uh, next uh, couple of weeks. So I don't, I don't want to panic anybody or alarm anybody, but it's, it's kind of on my heart really to talk from Genesis to Revelation here today, you know, so, uh, but that doesn't mean we're going to be here all morning. Uh, actually, I want to take like a 30,000 foot view uh, looking at the, uh, the Word of God. Some of you, I lost you there. What did he say? Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible? No, but we're going to, we're going to take a, a big view, um, and and you know, just one other thought to kind of tee us up for this. Uh, beginning of the year, we've been saying that we really feel like a theme God wants us to focus on for the year is this idea of living with purpose, living on purpose. You know, so our world is more uh, trembling and shaking than, than many of us have seen in our lifetime. Uh, there's more distraction that's around us to, uh, to get in the way uh, of us staying focused and on purpose. And so it, it is an appropriate season for us to say that we're really going to keep an eye on what are the things that are most valuable, most meaningful, what are the things that are priority for our lives, and make sure that we are doing that on purpose and that we're doing that consistently working through. And so that theme that works into what we're going to look at here today and over these next several weeks, looking at the promises of God. And so for some, it might be new information and that's always great. We need uh, new understanding in order to grow into new things. But you know, at the end of the day, what's really most important isn't how new it is or how familiar we are with what we're hearing can you say amen? amen? But it's what are we currently doing with what we're hearing, right? It's what are we doing now with it? And that's why, you know, being at church and, and being under the preaching of the word and having quiet time with the Lord, just being in this place where we're constantly feeding on his word because we need to be exhorted and encouraged and reminded to keep the main things the main things. So praise God. So with that as a little bit of an introduction, we're going to look at God's promises and, and we're going to be talking about them understanding that God all throughout the Bible, that goes back to what I said earlier, Genesis to Revelation, God reveals himself to us as a covenant God, a covenant God. And we'll talk about what that means, this picture of him being a covenant God. And truly, you know, when we understand this and then we look at all that's unfolded and laid out in the Bible, it's an incredible thing that we see. When we understand God tells us he is a God who keeps his covenant. You know, we're talking this morning about in the resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, that this is a far better covenant. This is the culmination of everything that we read about in the word of God going all the way back to the book of Genesis. You know, and it's been preached this way. It's the, the scarlet thread the message of salvation, the message of God's redemptive hope for us, all the way back 
to the first couple of chapters in the Bible. You know, I heard somebody say one time for, for me as a new believer, hey, as a new believer, spend the majority of your Bible reading in your New Testament because you're living in the New Covenant, the New Testament. And then I was encouraged in that. And then in your New Testament, spend the majority of your time in the letters that are written to the New Testament churches because it's really painting out the picture of what it is to be the church, disciples of Jesus Christ in this New Covenant. And, and as we understand, and from that vantage point, oh my goodness, and then we look back and, and, and we go from Genesis all the way through to Malachi, the, the entire Old Testament, all of a sudden it's so clear, we see it shouting out to us, this scarlet thread of salvation and redemption in Christ, because it all points to Him. Can you say amen? I mean, in the, in the fall in the garden... You know, God says to the serpent, hey, there's somebody who's coming through the, the lineage of mankind here. There's one who's going to come who you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Amen. Amen. And I mean, way back there, this promise of a Savior, this promise of a Messiah to come is spelled out. And, and so, you know, God, when, when we're created, you know, the, the, the biblical picture is in the Word of God is God showing us how to understand the world around us, how to build our worldview, who we are, where we came from, what's going on now, and where we're going, how to be right with Him. And so in, in, in the fall in the garden where, where uh, sin entered the entire human race, God works through these different, different covenants that culminate in the covenant in Jesus for, for the salvation of the whole world. And so what we're going to do, uh, let's, let's talk about, let's make sure we're clear. What is a covenant? Let's look at some of these covenants, and then let's talk about how in Christ we have a far better covenant. And by the way, far better covenant, that's not my opinion, although that is my opinion, but it's also what the Word of God says about the covenant in Christ, that it's a far better covenant. So what is a covenant? Let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 13. It says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the God who did that, uh, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. So we see this picture, man, when we're talking about covenant, from God's perspective here, this is an everlasting covenant. This is an eternal covenant that we're going to be talking about. So what is covenant? Well, if you're following in the notes and you want to fill this in, a covenant, it's a relationship between two partners who make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. Right, almost sounds like a contract, but a covenant is very different from a contract. Oftentimes, a covenant is accompanied by oaths and signs and ceremonies. Uh, a covenant, again, in your notes, defines, uh, def uh, covenants define obligations and commitments, but they're different from a contract because they're relational and they're personal. 
So that's such a great picture for us. And I, and I have there, that was from BibleProject.com as I was just kind of doing my research and figuring out how to spell this out. I thought, boy, they said that's so nice. Just going to throw that in there, give them credit for it. So that's the picture. You know, in, in our modern day, we would say uh, that marriage is a covenant. You know, a lot of folks, unfortunately, they approach it as a contract. But in, in God's perspective, marriage is a covenant. It's something personal. It's an agreement. But when we understand this picture, it's, uh, there, there's two parties working with each other for a common goal. And so God is a covenant God. When, when I spoke just a minute ago about mankind in the garden, you know, God's commission to humanity being made in his image was be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Take dominion. Lead and govern this earth as uh, those made in my image. And of course, we know the fall came. And then we trace throughout the word of God, God working through covenant relationship to walk out his plan of salvation. So the major covenants in the Bible, again, each of these things that we look at, I'm doing a, a 30,000 foot view because th there could be just a, a year of messages where we dig into all that God has to say on this. But so some of the major covenants in the Bible, number one, Noah, the covenant with Noah. And we see that in uh, Genesis chapter 8. Uh, God's statement to Noah and his sons uh, going into Genesis chapter 9 is almost word for word what God said to Adam when the world was first created. Be fruitful and multiply. So, you know, we know, uh, you know, in, in reading that in Genesis, uh, sin and wickedness had filled the earth. God destroys everything with a flood, but Noah and his family, they're there uh, safe on the ark. And now there's this covenant and God says, you know, see this rainbow in the, in, in the sky? That's going to be a reminder to you of this covenant that, that we're entering into here today. And in that uh, covenant, God says that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. By the way, interesting little side note. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek with kind of looking into, you know, where, you know, the Bible isn't a science textbook. A lot of times it's written in imagery and poetry and things, but, but it's, not the, it's not ultimately going to violate what we discover as scientific fact. Amen? You know, and so some folks will say, well, why, you know, did God just kind of randomly at that time say, now every time you see this rainbow that you've been seeing, you know, you can identify this with, I'll never flood the earth. Well, actually, when we read in creation, it talks about a, 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 a like a, an envelope of water all around the world. Uh, and it talks about how, you know, so basically the whole picture is there really is no mention of rain before the flood says that, that the earth was watered from the waters in the deep, and that's what broke up, and that's where some of the water came from, and so forth. But kind of neat, you know, if you get that picture of them seeing this thing that they never saw before, you know, and, and, and just, you know, God knows how to make a statement, amen? You know, and that's why, you know, in a marriage covenant, you know, the ring is to be a reminder of this covenant that's been entered into. So then we go through and we look in uh, uh, history, moving along, and how many have ever heard it worded this way? History is really his story, right? So it goes on, and then the, the next major one we should look at here is, is the covenant with Abram. He changes his name to Abraham, so it's the, the uh, covenant with Abraham. And, and God tells him, you know, there's, there's an area of land that, that uh, he's going to move Abraham and his descendants into, and he says he's going to be made into a great nation, and that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. 
And again, we read in our New Testament that the Abraham gives us a picture of, of us as believers following Christ because we do it by faith. And Abraham is, is known as this man of faith because he believed God. God gave these promises. In fact, God gave promises. God walked him out through this process of believing God even when his circumstances were saying something different. Right? You know, he's a, he's a senior citizen. You know, and God says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And he says, how can this be? And God says, well, it's me doing it. So it can be. And Abraham says, all right. Do as you say. We, we trust you to do what you said you will do. This great picture of faith for us. But, but in this plan of salvation that's unfolding, we're getting this picture of, okay, Abraham, great nation is going to be raised up and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your descendants. Then we go on, uh, number three, Moses. And we look at the, the uh, Mosaic Covenant. Uh, Exodus 19, we know the Israelites are uh, brought out of Egypt. They're, they're in captivity and bondage and slavery, and God breaks that off. In fact, you know, the last straw to break that off is this, this uh, picture of the Passover. And again, all of these things in the Old Testament that they're being asked to do, painting a picture for what's going to happen in the better covenant in Christ. Can you say Amen. Right, so they're told, take a lamb, and each household is going to have this lamb with them. And then they're going to slay that lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of their house. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, at the time there was, you know, a picture uh, of, of not having a clue of just what exactly this was pointing to. Actually, when we go all the way back to the garden, back to Adam and Eve in the fall there, you know, uh, Adam and Eve, they realized that they were uncovered, that they were naked. So they went and clothed themselves when they came before God. And, and, and basically, what did God say? You can't cover yourselves. You can't do it yourself. What does God do? We read it right there back in Genesis. There's an animal that's slain, and they are covered. God had to cover them. And again, all the way back there, this picture of what ultimately was going to culminate in Christ's coming. But on the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, and the, the, the thunder, and the lightning, and the fire, and all this stuff, the, the Ten Commandments are given, and God supplies the law. And, and the whole focus here is to govern and mold the people of Israel to prepare them for the promised land. God is basically saying to them, the world is going to see who I am through how you live. And that's why I want you to live according to these laws. But, but we also realize part of the picture in God giving the law was to show them that they couldn't measure up. Again, that they couldn't cover themselves, that they couldn't clothe themselves. And that's why there needed to be the sacrifice, the shedding of blood. And we have a tabernacle where in the holiest of holies in the tabernacle, God's manifest presence would dwell. Where the people of God would be able to have the priests go on their behalf and, and, and uh, intercede on their behalf for them. 
And then that eventually became the temple uh, when they moved into the promised land. And that brings us to David. That's the next covenant there uh, with David. And in this one, God uh, promises that a descendant of David would reign on the throne over the people of God forever that it would be an everlasting uh, reigning. So, you, you know, not, not in the natural there where David would have, you know, his ancestor, but, but again, this, this picture of the Messiah coming down the road. Everybody tracking with me so far? Yeah. Amen, all right. And then we go to what we're gonna dig into here today. So how about this? Just wanna go on record here. I went from Genesis to Malachi in about 10 minutes, all right? <laughs> Those of you who've been around for a while, not bad, Pastor Jim. You know, I can have a tendency to take some rabbit paths and, you know. So now we get to number five, the new covenant, Jesus' finished work. Let's look at this here in Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Something so significant. You guys caught that so well at the living Lord's Supper. Something monumental was about to happen as they commemorated, as they paused together. The entire order of things was about to shift as Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead. Literally, from a, from a God perspective, we went from one epic to another, one era to another, the era of law to the era of grace. That's the one that we live in today. And there'll be another one coming after this where Jesus comes to reign and rule, right? So, so what exciting times that we get to live in. Hebrews 8 verse 7. Uh, now, now this is where it, it's unpacking a little bit like, hey, let's, let's kind of theologically understand what's happened here in Christ. It says, for if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, again, the, the covenant of the law, uh, no place would have been sought for another one. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Check this out. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or, or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. So wow, as we look at this here on Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, we, 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 wanna, we wanna pull away as an introduction to this series, as we look at these promises, these great and precious promises that God extends to us, 
we, we want to understand it in this context of how God has made us in his image, how God has loved us from the beginning, and how he has been unfolding this incredible plan of salvation to win all of us back to him. Because we, people, humanity, we are his great love. Amen? All right, so wrapping our time up here over the next six minutes or so, why the covenant in Christ is a far better covenant. Okay, number one, there's better promises. Hebrews 8, 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. You know, so we're kind of catching this mid-thought here, but what this is telling us is just everything in Jesus is more superior and it's established on better promises. So what are some of the better promises? Well, you know, the, one of the things we read in the New Testament when we understand the law, you know, the law gave, gave Israel a picture of how to live righteously, how to show the world, uh, how to paint a picture of what God looks like because the way they were called to live looked so different than the nations around them. But there's something else the law did, and we see it so clear. The law brought death. The, the law couldn't save. As a matter of fact, the function of the law was again to show that we couldn't save ourselves. Can you say amen? So the far better promise, the old covenant brought death. The new covenant brings us life. Man, that's a, that's a better promise. The old covenant was an external covenant. You know, you could go to the sanctuary and you could go to the outer courts, you know, and, and the priests could minister there and the, the one high priest could on rare occasion annually go in to that holy of holies. It was an external covenant as they were in relationship with God. In the new covenant, God dwells inside us. As a matter of fact, that leads us into number two, far better promise. Number two, it's a better sanctuary, a better sanctuary. And, and it's so neat, you know, I, I've, I've yet to not get sort of swept off my feet in, in this, this understanding here, when we read through the Old Testament, right? You know, as they were constructing the tabernacle and, and then as they built the temple and they dedicated it and, and then as they would get ready the day of atonement, the high priest would go in on behalf of the whole nation for God to forgive their sins. And you know, modern day equivalent, you know, if somebody's working with like dangerous materials, you know, or somebody is doing a job that has a lot of hazards associated with it, you, you know, they have checklists, you know, and when they take their life in their hands, how many know they're going over that checklist a couple of times? You, you know, uh, it, I imagine at least the first couple of times I would think jumping out of an airplane. I say I would think because I'm not one of those people that would do that on purpose, jump out of a perfectly good airplane. But I imagine when you're kind of new to it and you're sober to the fact that you're, you know, jumping out of a plane in the sky down to the, you, you know, that you're, you're checking all the buckles and, you know, uh, you know, if somebody was explaining their parachute training here at the end of service, I'd probably, on my best effort, be listening with one ear. But if I was next to them on the airplane as they were giving parachute training, I'd be listening really, really intently, right? Making sure that everything, I think that's kind of what it was like for the high priest as he was getting ready to go into uh, the, the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. 
Because we're told in scripture and we're told in the, the, the tradition and the history, not only is there uh, bells that were around the bottom of his robe so you could hear him moving around, but there was a rope that was tied to his leg. Because if he would enter just the holy presence of God without being fully, correctly ready to do that, he would not be able to be there and live. He'd be struck dead. So what was that rope for? Well, anybody else walking in after him, now there's two dead people in that place, right? In that holy place. So the rope would be used to pull him out. Man, that's pretty heavy, right? You know what's heavier than that? Because of the far better covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, that holy of holies is in here. We carry that with us. Because the Bible tells us when we say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, that he moves in. He literally dwells inside us. Right? What, what an incredible picture. Far better covenant because there's far better promises, a far better sanctuary, hey, and a far better sacrifice. Hebrews 7, 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. If we go over to, to chapter 9, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Wow, far better sacrifice. They had to do over and over again in the Old Testament because all of that would cover Jesus, didn't cover Jesus took away. And he did it once and for all in that work that he did on the cross for us. All right, last one that we'll look at here, security. We have better security because of Jesus. And again, we could just look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many know when you have said yes to Jesus, you are secure in his hands? Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so God's promises. So that's just, just a little bit of an introduction for us to get a picture here as we get into the promises of God. They are based on his character. If you're following along in your notes there, that's something for us to understand. These promises are based in his character uh, so, so we can trust his character. He is faithful and he keeps his covenant. That was so great. We even sang about that today. You know, we've got this picture behind us as we've walked with God of his faithfulness in our lives, right? And then uh, also to understand his promises, his promises for, are for humanity to have the opportunity to be redeemed by God. And so we need to understand, you, you know, in our Western modern culture where I tell you what, <laughs> I, I can't go back to saying it any better than Burger King theology, right? How many remember the commercials from Burger King years ago that would say, have it your way right away? You know, that, that's, that's not the approach that we want to take to the promises of God, right? The, the 
promises are overwhelming as we've just spent a moment just pausing for a minute on a couple of these thoughts. But the idea is that God so loves each person so much that he's come to rescue us from our sin and from separation from him. And, and we come individually. We don't come on anybody else's merit. We, we are by ourselves one-on-one to make that choice whether we surrender to that. And as we do, all these miracles, these great promises start to happen in our lives. And then in that, he says, now, I want the whole world to be saved. I want the whole world to be healed. I want the whole world to have this hope because it's been done. This work has been done for each and every person. That's why we're told, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Amen? All right, so in the coming weeks, as we look at God's promises, they're built on these foundations. They're trustworthy because he is trustworthy, and they fit into the grand plan of salvation in Christ as God is reconciling the world to himself. Now, I just, I want to wrap up with this here, because this morning as I was just getting a little time with the Lord before, you know, we would have services today, you know, what we've spoken about is kind of like a, you know, introduction to Old and New Testament kind of a, yeah, almost like a Bible lesson kind of a thing. And there's a couple of things that, that the Lord really spoke to my heart that I want to make sure that we hear today. And, and, and one is this, that we know we are living in such shaky times. We know that there's so much going on in this world that for so many, it's hard to deal with, hard to bear. It's hard to look out toward the horizon and think about, you know, what might be coming down the road in in that whole picture. And I, I believe the Lord wants each of us to leave here today so encouraged. There, there are some maybe you've cast off hope because what you're seeing going on around you has uh, been working to rob hope from your life. You know, these pictures, when, when we get into God's covenant promises over these next several weeks here, here's the bottom line for, for every believer. He has made you a victor and an overcomer in Christ over everything and anything that's going to come your way. But you know, in our modern culture, there's stuff that pulls that, gets our mind off that. And, and we'll, we'll see stuff going on or we'll see things in our lives. We'll see things and we'll say, hey, God, I'm following you. This happened to me. This stuff breaks people. God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? And God says, no, you don't understand. See, the enemy wants to say what happened to you will take you out. And I'm telling you, because of who I am in you, it'll never take you out. Amen? We'll say, well, God, why did you let it go down this way? We, we have to grasp and understand he, is, he sees from an eternity perspective. You know, and so again, in our, in our modern, you know, just our own humanity, we can say, okay, God, well, I've been good. Now you got to do this this way. And we think the promises, you know, we, we have little promise boxes where we pull out promises for the day and that kind of thing. And we almost relegate it to like a, like a fortune cookie thing. Let's see my promise for today. 
Nah, it's, it's a fallen, broken world where the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but your God has promised you, you will overcome everything that comes your way in his name. Amen. Amen. And so we, yeah, I don't want to get ahead into, you know, we're going to talk starting next week on, so how do we grab a hold of these promises? But I just want us to understand, you, you know, if we, if we leave here today saying, all right, he's a covenant God. And, and, and from the beginning, he's been working his plan of salvation. And he wants everybody, everybody won back to him because he loves everyone. And, and in this covenant relationship, I'm protected at the same time as we're protected, we're walking through in his protection in a world that is so busted and broken up. I've had people come to me as a pastor and say, you know, uh, doesn't the shape of the world deny there's a God? Not if you read the Bible. Because he explains all of this. He gives us a worldview to understand, yeah, this world is messed up, but it's not always going to be that way. And we have an opportunity, if we'll get on board with him, he'll move into our hearts. He'll make us brand new. He'll make us that sanctuary that that high priest had to, had to work so carefully to get into. We'll actually be carrying that sanctuary around to show the world his love all around us. So if you came today and you're confused, if you came today and you're wondering, did God bail out on you? If you're wondering, where did he go? My prayer is as we looked at this stuff here today, you'd hear him crying out to your heart saying, you can trust me. I've never left you. I'm here. And in the end, you win. Because he wins. Can you say amen? Hey, would you stand with me as we prepare to close here this morning? There, there's there's going to be more, you know, we read, read the Bible about these, these last days and there's more that's coming. That's shaky stuff in the world. But you know what? He said we don't have to be worried. We don't have to fret. We can just have a peace that passes understanding because he's going to hold us in his hands. What happens when, when it doesn't make sense? It's when I can go back, I can trust his character. I can trust his promise. And he said, nothing is going to snatch me out of his hands. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And greater is he who lives in me. Greater is he than he that's in the world. That we are more than conquerors in Christ. See, when we live in God's promises from the context that we're talking about today, there's nothing that can steal away who he wants us to be and who we are in him. You know, how could Paul say, what can man do to me? I mean, man, if that's a picture of a, of a life shipwrecked and them trying to stone him to death and prison and beatings and all these things and he keeps going on and, and he's, he's just carrying the fragrance of Christ, life and salvation and, and God's power and God's glory to the world around him. And when looking even death in, in the face, he said, so to live is Christ and to die is gain because of his great and precious promises. We don't need to be afraid. 
We don't need to worry about what's going on. And we might have a preferred picture. Lord, I'd love for things to look this way and unfold this way, A, then B, then C, then D. But Lord, I'll trust you no matter what it looks like. Church, I'll trust you no matter what I think I'm seeing. Because you see from an eternity perspective. And you're more interested in what you're doing in me rather than what's happening to me. You know, I know you're seeing that and you're saying, hey, doesn't this stuff shipwreck people and tank their life? You're in my hands, child of God. It's not going to do that to you. I'm your life. I'm your soundness of mind. I'm your wholeness. I'm your deliverance. I'm your peace. I'm your hope. I'm your salvation. And I'm with you always. Father, as we close this Resurrection Sunday service, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. And Lord, wherever there is brokenness, Lord, wherever there is confusion, Lord, wherever there is anybody who has cast off hope, I pray, precious Holy Spirit, that you'd come now and bring your comfort and bring your peace. And I pray, Lord God, that you would take some of these things that we looked at here today and you'd help, Lord, we're, we're lifting before you the lens through which we view the world around us. Lord, there's so many voices, philosophies, ideas, mindsets that are trying to shape how we process and live what we see. God, help us to see from your perspective. Lord, help us to see that no matter what it looks like around us, you're bringing us through. You've got us. There are great and precious promises that are yes and amen in Christ. So God, minister to hearts today wherever it's needed. Lord, those who have experienced things in life where they're looking back today and saying, yeah, but God, this went down. What was going on? Where were you? But we just say that we surrender all of that over to you. We say one more time, afresh and anew today, Lord, we trust you. We know you're trustworthy. God, we trust you. Lord, we surrender all that we are afresh and anew. We can trust you with our heart. We can trust you with our decisions. We can trust you with our mind. We can trust you with our future. We can trust you with our past. We just say, Jesus, reign in our lives. Thank you for that price that you paid on the cross and for the mighty resurrection that we celebrate today, that in that, you are truly king of kings and Lord of lords. And your name is the name above every name. Lord, that everything named under heaven bows to you. So we commit ourselves into your hands, Lord, as we look to run the race that you've called us to run. We're in your hands, Lord, all of us together. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen.